tied to walk by faith. You don't get rid of trials. Listen to me. You learn how to overcome them. You don't get rid of them. You learn how to overcome them. In other words, you beat them. There's stuff that kept you back, that held you back six months ago. You didn't even phase you today because you've been there, done that. Got the t-shirt. Oh, I've seen that before. Some of you, you got teenagers and they'll say, mm-hmm. And they'll say something and mom will be like, no. How do, I don't know how moms know all that. But somehow they have a supernatural connection with God. We've got to get that word of God down in our heart. And when we do, we learn kind of about the enemy as well. Probably more than we want to know, but we need to know he is after the word that is sown. And he wants to make that word unfruitful to you. In other words, he wants to make you discouraged so it doesn't work. If he can get your belief system to get off focus or off kilter. See, the difference is not that we are problem free, it's that we have answers. We have answers to the problem. So I want to unpack this. So let's look at what God won't do. Or what God cannot do. Because if we can do that, we can determine, alright, this is good. That way we, we know what He will do. What is our part in this whole part of protection? In the miracle of protection? Here's our first thought this morning. I feel like Laurel and Hardy. You ever remember that? Uh, has a, some of you are going, Laurel and Hardy who? The people my age and older are all going, yeah, I know Laurel and Hardy. The young people are going, what? But there was one issue where, where you know... They're going to, Ollie was going to fight somebody and Stanley kept walking around going, there's going to be a fight. And so he kept saying that and then pretty soon there's a whole crowd. There is going to be a fight because the enemy is going to come at you because he doesn't want you to prosper in any way in your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, in any way, health-wise, money-wise, friendship-wise, fellowship-wise, it doesn't matter. He wants to keep you off focus. So the enemy is going to tempt you away from what you believe is right. And you need to understand temptation is from the enemy, not from God. I want to say it one more time. Temptation is from the enemy, not from God. I'm going to prove this to you here in a second, but here we go. God cannot go against his nature and his word. People will say, well, God can do anything. And yes, God is sovereign. He can do anything, but he is bound by his word. We need to understand in the kingdom, every kingdom has a king and every kingdom has rules that are operating that kingdom. Say amen to that. So when God is in the king, he is the king of his kingdom. That's why when we pray, Lord, we want on earth as it is in heaven. We want what's happening in heaven to happen here. But we have resistance because the king of this world is the enemy. But Jesus took the authority away from him. The Bible says he has all power and gave it to you and I. That's pretty good news. So we have a way to get the answer and to be dominant in this. But God can do anything, but he's bound by his word. Sovereignty means he's the supreme ruler. But now you need to know he's bound by the covenant and his word. And God cannot change. Now, let me, let me just say this. We know that God can't change the reason. If God could change then he could get better. God cannot get better. He's the best. So he cannot change because that would mean that there's, he can go up levels. There's no up level for God. Hebrews says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. Another thing God cannot do is he cannot lie. He is the complete truth. There is no 
lie in him. The lie is the enemy, the father of lies. That is the devil. And so um, my wife so eloquently said this morning in our team huddle, she said, if his lips are moving, he's lying. Not meaning God, meaning the enemy. The enemy is also called the father of lies. So God cannot lie. He is not a man that he could lie. God cannot not love you. I love what, putting that one in. He cannot not love you. Brett, you don't even know what I've done. I don't have to know what you've done. He knows what you've done. It doesn't change anything. He still loves you. No matter what, he still loves you. You don't even know. I don't have to know. There's nothing you can do to separate you from that love. God still loves you. He is love. He doesn't just love. That is who he is. That is his countenance. He is love. John 13, 16, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his only one and his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Not just believers, but everyone. If they will believe that there are people that, you know, and I know don't believe any of this. But if they do. His love is already there. Matter of fact, if they don't, his love is still there. That's pretty amazing. If they don't choose, people ask me, Brett, you mean if they don't choose Christ, he still loves them? Absolutely. This is not conditional love. We've all lived under love like that. I will like you if you like me. If you do what I say, then you and I could be friends. If you don't do what I say, you're a snotball and I don't like you. But God doesn't like that. God loves you unconditionally. This is another one. God can't tempt you. James 1, 13 and 14. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entices us and drags us away. So remember, the enemy is the tempter. And he tries to tempt you in the five senses, in the natural realm, the seeing, the hearing, the, the smelling, the tasting, the touching. He's all in that realm. That's the realm he's going to try to entice you with. The things, I mean, let, let's just be honest now. You're going to leave this place and go, okay. Ever gone on a diet and you feel like the enemy is the donut king that comes to... Serious, I, I, true story, true story. One, I felt the Lord telling me one time to fast. Anybody in here like fasting? Not me. Don't like fasting, but I remember he told me to fast, and he kind of built me up. One time I, he said, fast the whole day, and I, so I did. I fasted the whole day. Then I felt like he said, now I want you to fast for three days. And they weren't right in a row, you know, so I kind of fasted the day and kind of got used to that. Couldn't wait to eat, you know. And then, then three days, I'm thinking, three days, that's an eternity. Then, then after three days, I did seven. Then... Then it was 10. Then, then it was 14. Then it was 21. 21 days is a long stinking time. Then, then it started getting, you know, in the 30s and all that stuff. So what I'm saying is, when I first started fasting, the first 10-day fast I ever did, true story, I had more opportunities than of people wanting to buy me pizza. Do you know what my favorite food is? Help me, Jesus. People showed up at our door. My wife can tell you this. Ding dong. Open it up. Steam coming off the pizza. Kind of like Kevin on Home Alone. Your very own cheese pizza. Of course, I don't really care if it's pizza or sausage or cheese or whatever. I'll eat it all. 
But I'm like, I can't have that. Then somebody showed up at our house with potato soup, homemade potato soup. And then the demon of cheese balls. Never had this before, but it, it was awesome. They said, oh, you take the cheese balls and you throw it in the potatoes. Some of you are going to try this. You throw it in the potato soup and you can eat it that way. And I thought, oh, that sounds heavenly. But I couldn't do any of that. Well, what I'm trying to tell you is the enemy will try to tempt you in all of the natural realm for things that God is trying to get you to do. You need to understand that he wants you off track. Maybe you feel like, you know what, Brett, if, I'm, if I become a believer, I can't, I, I can't have fun. Let me just stop right here. God created fun. He's the father of fun. Think about it. I mean, we always think, when I grew up, did you not think, I thought this, that God was just a big old man with a long white beard playing whack-a-mole every time I did something wrong. Boom. Boom. And I did a lot of that. I felt like I was constantly getting whacked. But God created fun. He is the, the... Father of creation. So you have a creative mind that you can start thinking, you know, let's do something fun. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's have some fun. There's times my family have just had fun where we have laughed till our sides hurt. I mean, just laughed and laughed. Didn't expect it. My folks were, they, li- they live in town now, but they were living in Florida. You, you know, in the wintertime, everybody would be like, I love that. In the summertime, if it's hot here, it's an oven in Florida. We went to Disney one time in the summer. I'd go in the winter because, man, it was really hot there. But anyway, they came back and they were staring, staying at my house. My dad loves to play euchre. Can't play very well, but he loves to play. Is he in the building? He's somewhere. He's probably out listening. Maybe he didn't hear that. Well, good. Anyway... Me and my boys are playing, my dad, so it's always Zach and my dad were partners, and me and Sam were partners. And so we played Euchre, and, and we were just kicking their tails, man. Me and Sam were just laying them cards. And you know, sometimes with cards, it just depends on what kind of hand you get. And some of it is really not skill unless you just don't know how to lay them down. But we were, and my dad says, wait do I get, you boys don't have a chance. This is a true story. I'm going to go get my lucky hat, and it is all over. So he gets up out of the table, and he does his little strut with swag. He comes back in with this stupid-looking hat on. And, and, you know, we're already laughing because he's got that goofy hat on. And, we, you know, we're dealing out the cars and stuff. We just beat him worse. He took his hat off, and he said, I hate this hat. Stupid hat never did work. Throws it clear across the room. We were on the floor laughing. My boys... We were laughing and laughing, and he was laughing. You see, God created you to have fun. You're supposed to have fun. Life is meant for you to live it and be lived and live it on purpose. Start, you know, asking God, what could I do that would be fun? Legitimately fun. Not world kind of fun, but just good, clean fun. Some of you need to laugh. The word recreation comes from the word recreation. God wants you to enjoy Life. Here comes our thought number two. Follow God. How many knows that God won't mislead you? God's not going to mislead you. Why would we pray to lead us not if he wouldn't in the first place? So you got to think about that. And lead us not into temptation. Why would we even say that? Because are we saying that he would lead us into temptation? Let me, let me pull that up a little further. The Greek meaning of the word temptation here is referring to tests and trials. That you'll come up against. Would God put us in a test. 
or allow us to go through a test or a trial. See, people will say, Mm-mm, yes, he will. Now, he won't tempt you, but he'll allow you to go through a test. Remember the Israelites? He sent them into the wilderness to humble them and to test them. Have you ever just put your kids through a test? Not a bad test, but just, you know, responsibility. I need you to do this and this. Before this happens, you need to show me you can do that. There was a guy that, uh, you know, a young kid, he, he had long hair, and he went to his dad and said, Dad, I'd, I'd like to keep my hair. I, I want it to grow. And his dad said, you, you need to get a haircut. And he said, no, Dad, I, I'd like to keep my hair long, you know. And his dad said, mm, you'd have to show me that you could manage some things. I mean, if you got straight A's on your report card because you're not really doing your best, and, and you spent some time with God, Maybe a devotion, you know, every day. And just helped around the house a little more. I might think about it. Well, six weeks went by and he came to his dad and he said, Dad, check it out. Grade card. Almost straight A's. A couple B's, but I mean, brought his grades way up. His dad said, I'm proud of you. He said, Dad, here's a devotion I did every day. This is awesome. I spent time with God every day. And I've been helping around the house. He goes, I know you have. He said, well, I want to keep my hair long. He said, there's something else, Dad. He said, what's that? He said, I want, a, I want a car. I want to drive. Any teenagers in here? I want to drive. And he said, well, son, I told you about your hair. Same thing applies to your car. He said, but Dad, you know, when I was studying, didn't that devotion? Jesus had long hair. His dad said, you know what, son, you're right. But he walked everywhere he went. But um, bum God might put you through some trials or, or allow you. Let me say that's better than put you. But just allow you to go through trials. But let, let's even go this further. Jesus didn't escape this. You're going to have to trust him because he's not going to mislead you. Matthew 4.1, Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. Who led him into the wilderness? The spirit, not the enemy spirit. This is God's spirit. Led him in there to be tempted or, or to be tempted there by the devil. To, he's going through a trial. Now, God's not doing the tempting, but the trial is real. Why would Jesus do that? Here's two reasons. For his sake, so that he would be able to do the things that he's supposed to do to fulfill Scripture. And for your and my sake. So that when we are tep- you know, tempted or tried, we're going through trials, we have an advocate. We have somebody that's been there. We've got somebody that knows how to, how to do it. Somebody that's got the answer. Jesus can help you. Hebrews 2.18, since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. So if Jesus has the answer, we can talk to him about whatever you're going through. Now, I love this particular part because then no matter what you're dealing with, you can ask Jesus, how do I deal with this? This is too tough. He's got the answer. So if we need protection, he's got the answer. If you're getting onslaught from the enemy, maybe at work or maybe at home or whatever, Jesus has the answer. Here's a simple explanation. God, good. Devil, bad. We were doing Sesame Street when I was growing up. Near, far. God, good. Devil, bad. 
If you read something in the Bible that you don't understand that happens to me, it probably happens to you. It's because why? Because we don't understand it. So then we have to dig in it a little bit. We have to then look up some things a little and maybe cross-reference a little bit. Or sometimes I just didn't understand the Bible because it was the version that it was. If you don't like these and thous, you're going to have trouble with the King James. Because you're going to, you know, it all sounds kind of, thou shalt go thy way and thy thee, thee, hither thy yon and thy... If you don't know all of that, you've got to kind of decipher that just to get to where you need. But if you have, you know, I'm, like what I'm reading you out of is the New Living Translation. If you like that translation, that's what I use. NIV is a good translation. You can use that as well. Whatever amplified, you can even say that and it can go really loud. Sorry. It was just there. But just whatever will help feed you the answers that you need. Get into the Word. Stay connected to the one that wrote the book. Here's our third thought to unpack this morning. See yourself winning. So what are you picturing in your mind? What are you believing for? Joel Osteen said once that his father, when he was getting uh, treatment, uh, and one of, the, you know, one of the times that he was getting treatment, he, he made Joel, he said, would you bring me my running suit and my tennis shoes? And Joel said, Dad... You're getting tested. You're supposed to be off your feet for a little while. This is going to drain you a little bit. That's what they're saying. And he said, I know I need you to bring that. And when he was asked why, he said, because I want to see that. Come on and picture myself running, walking, full of energy. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, the enemy wants to beat you down. You need to get a picture of what God wants to do and get it in front of your face. Begin to see that. Hey, when I wanted to lose weight, I finally, I put up some pictures, not the fat ones. I had them take it off the website. You know, if you go to the movies, if you've been to the movie, you'll see our picture up there. And, and my wife, stellar. She looks amazing. I can prove that there's a God. I just stand by Kim. I just had somebody the other day just ask me. He said, well, I got one question for you. I said, what's that? He goes, how did you get such a good looking wife? I said, it's God. And right there, I led him to Jesus. No. But anyway, I had him take those pictures down. So for me to get motivated, I had to pull up pictures of before. When I, when I was in shape and when I was, you know, when I was much more fit and I, because I was seeing myself there again. Are you with me today? You need to get the picture in front of you. What are you believing for? What protection are you asking God for? Do you see, you know, God protects. Sometimes we're just, I want to protect all the stuff. You know, one of the main causes of hoarders is because they're afraid of losing what they got. Now, there's, there's nothing wrong with keeping some stuff. And obviously there's balance. But what about God protecting those things that you're giving him in charge of? So you get a picture Keep it in perspective. Remember, you fight from victory, not for victory. In other words, Jesus has already won. So you fight for um, or from the victory you already have. So that's my perspective. I don't have to fight for it. It's already there. I just have to believe for it. I have to see myself that way. Some of you need healing in certain parts of your body. You need to see yourself with that healed. 
That's the fact. You know, think about God. God. Is God not the creator? Didn't he tell Abraham, Abraham, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to multiply your seed. Come here, let me show you how much. Gave him a picture. Let him look at the stars. Let him see the sand. So Abraham could see like, oh my word. You need to get a picture. I had to look at some things of what my goals were. You know what goals are? Things you want to do with a deadline on them. Start saying, all right, God, I want to do this. You put this in my heart. Help me to go for what you want me to go for. Get me a picture. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Now, this is about our submission and our belief and our allegiance to the kingdom of God. Do you really believe that God will not allow you to be tempted more than you can bear? Do you really believe that when that happens, if you need a way out, he'll show you? Because what happens when we don't believe that, and I'm living proof, you know, I've just, sometimes we just don't look for the window, do you? Look, three of you, I'm not answering that. You think I'm going to answer that? What I'm trying to tell you is God wants to show you how good he is. I had the privilege of being at youth camp this last Tuesday, and I got to pray for like 80 students. I got to preach for them, and probably about 100 people at the camp. It was at uh, Faith Life's camp, Pastor Gary's, and uh, just an amazing time. Hungry students just wanting God. They don't really understand everything. How many knows we don't as adults? We act like we understand. We don't. You know, most of the time we're, we're, you know. But they just came up, and, and I asked Maddie, I said, what would you think? Because I took Maddie with me. She said, Dad, it was like a nest of bees had just was on you. Because all of these students, we were just going to pray for them. And they, I said, I want you to line up. And we we're just going to line them up. And, and we started praying, and then the, the swarm got just, forget the line, they just all came in. So then we just started praying, and God, listen, started answering prayers, and things started happening. And, and pretty soon these students were just like climbing over each other to get what God had for them. And there were people just, it was amazing. Brett, why are you telling me that? Because I'm telling you, there is nothing, nothing the enemy can stir up or get to you that God can't take care of, if you will allow him. If you just say, God, you know what? I believe in you. I'm going to pray protection. I'm going to plead your blood. Do you, do you actually understand what pleading the blood is? If you go to a court case, people say, I plead the fifth. You've heard that? Basically, they're saying, I'm just pleading the fifth. Well, the, the, the blood is basically, we are taking all of what we are believing and we are putting that to what Jesus did on the cross. When we plead the blood, we are applying what he did on, the, on Calvary to our situation. And so, when we are, we're, so there's a lot of weight behind that. So when we are, we're saying that, that means that he died for every, every one of any sickness, sin, disease, protection, provision, any of that. Jesus did that on the cross. We fight from victory, not for victory. 2 Peter 2.9 says this, So you... You see, the Lord knows how to rescue godly people from their trials, even while keeping the wicked under punishment until the day of final judgment. 
So my part is to call on the Lord. My part is to say, you know, the Bible says if we call on Him, we'll be saved. So my part is to call on the Lord. Pray protection and success over temptation and the enemy. And, and whatever the enemy comes against me. When we left the house today, Kim and I grabbed hands and said, Father, I plead your blood over this house and all that you've given us. We pray angels over it and we plead your blood over it in Jesus' name. And people say, you do that? And this is my question to you. You don't? Why? Because my belief system says he's greater than anything the enemy can come up with. My belief system says that Jesus has got all of this covered. But my authority under him, delegated, is putting him in charge because he's given me the authority to do that. I am allowing him in. Come on, somebody. I'm letting him come in because he's given me that authority. He is God. That's why the enemy has to listen to you. It's delegated authority, but Jesus took it from the enemy and gave it to you. Here's our last thought. We have to put our hand to it. There's a lot of things that go on. I mean, one plus one equals two. That's called the law of numbers. If you believe that, you can balance your checkbook. If you don't believe that, you're not going to balance your checkbook. But we have to put our hand to it. In heaven, zero plus zero is still zero. God said he'll bless the work of our hands. If our hands are doing nothing... We have then a mailbox mentality. We're just waiting on God. Well, I'm just waiting on God to do this. I'm waiting on God to do that. Can I tell you, he's not going to the cross again. He's waiting on you. Literally. What, what's your belief system say? Our part requires action. Activating what we believe. Our involvement. Our investment. Remember this, that blessing always follows obedience. Blessing always follows obedience. But you know what's tough? Obedience. Because does God ever ask you to do something that you didn't want to do? Man. I mean, maybe you said something and he says, no, you need to go back and correct that. And you're like, I don't want to do that. Or you ever been to the store and they gave you too much money back? And you're walking out to your car thinking, hot dog. Looky there, they gave me $10 too much. Inside, your, you know, there's like the angel going, take it back. Take it back. No, you should take it back. You should spend it right now. God wants you to have it. But you know what the good thing is? There's always things that are, they're tests, they're trials. Now we live, you know, right now, our, we're very thankful to be here. I just went down to the Family Dollar maybe a month ago, and I was buying some stuff for the church at the Family Dollar. And I looked down, and there's a $20 bill sitting right there staring at me going, Ha-ha! It actually didn't make that noise. But I wanted, you know, I looked down, there it is. And, and I picked it up. And let me just say, I, I don't have a halo that lights up the room. I'm not that good. But you know what thoughts go as soon as I saw that $20? Sweet niblets. I got 20 bucks. This is great. I picked it up. And that's the first thought. I'd love to tell you my first thought was, oh, thou shalt not, you know. I didn't have that thought. I was thinking already spending that in my mind. But then the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you got to turn that in. So I didn't even leave from there. I didn't fold it up and put it in my pocket. 
I didn't battle on the way to the car. I could have. Would I have been wrong? Well, yeah, but I mean, whether you did that or you did just what I did, it, it really, I had the same thought, okay? I was going to keep it. But I turned again and I said, hey, look, here's $20 was right here. And he wanted to hold on to it real tight. But gave it to him. It's only 20 bucks. But anyway, you know, just handed it to the guy. And the guy looked at me astonished and he said, really? I said, yeah, it was just laying right here. And he goes, well, I know whose that would be then. It was the guy that was probably here before you, man. He would really need that 20. He said, you know, I'll let him know. Now, I know what you're thinking. The guy could keep the money and nobody would be the wiser and who would know. That's not my... I did what I'm supposed to do. So I'm out of it. I had to put my hand to what I'm out of it. But I, I said that and this is what the guy said. He goes, that's crazy. And I said, what's crazy? He goes, you know how many people wouldn't do that? Now, and again, my first thought was, that's right. But then, that's another little twist the enemy can have and, and throw in there. Now that you did something right, then to take pride for that and be like, it's all me. And I said, you know what? I said, I just feel that God wants me to give that. I would, if that ever happened to me, I would hope that somebody would find it and give it back to me. And the guy looked at me, shook his head, and he goes, Okay. And I walked out of there, and I, you know, I told him about the church. Hey, we're just up the street, and, and you have a blessed day, and that was it. My, 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 my point is this. You want to see God do things, then you have to believe what you say. Enough that you will act it out. And that's where action takes. You put your hand to it, and then the enemy is blown away because he can't do anything. If you have your faith intact and your belief system is lined up with God, he's just like noise in the wind. I know walking out to, out to my car, I was like, God, thank you. Thank you for, for helping me. But what I, my point is, there was that point right in there where I could have, I could, it could have changed. Would I go to hell because I kept that 20? No. I've told you stories where I found $10. And there was nobody to turn it into. I wasn't in a store and it was just there. No, that was mine. I believe God sent that there for me because I asked for $10. I wasn't asking for money or anything. My point is this. Protection, like anything in the kingdom, all connects with our belief. Will God really do that? Would God protect me? In, in my house, if anything, there's a, my, my wife could hear a grasshopper rub its legs at 200 yards. I'm telling you, the girl's got supersonic hearing. That's what happens. I guess when you're that good looking, you get ears that work as well. I don't know. But she would, if something goes, you know, I'll hear a sound and I'll immediately, guys, come on, you'll know what it is. Oh, I know what that was. But if she doesn't know what that sound is, honey, did you hear that? It's okay. No. So, you know, what my point, I had to get up and check. If anything would ever happen, I'm not going to be, Kim, take care of it. Maddie, go down and give him some kung fu action. They're going to expect Father to protect and take care of it. Your Heavenly Father would do no less.
You just put those things and believe, thank you, God, that you're taking care of us. Thank you. There's so many things that have happened during protection. Just that, you know, whether God has gotten me up. I told you a story where I prayed for a family. And, and at that time, they were in a car wreck and they were spared. And the Lord had woke me up to tell them to pray for them. Or you prayed for this or prayed for that. And you might be saying, Brett, I know, but there's some answers I, I need. You know, and I might not have all the answers that you need. I don't know all of the answers. But I do know the one that does. And I do know that praying protection works. I do know that when we've gone on vacation, we prayed angels over the car and traveling mercies. Have you ever done that? There's a reason we do that kind of stuff. We don't just say it because we got nothing to say. We say it because we believe it and we enact those things. We, we pray for angels to be dispatched. You have that authority. I'm almost finished. You cannot think the evil one away. It takes words, God's words, and your belief in them. Words that you believe at your core, words that you live by, words that you teach your kids, words that you walk by, words that you read out of the book every day, words that you proclaim, words that you have for protection. The devil hates those kind of words. He is after the word. The last thing I want to share with you, and then, then I'll close. When we, when we with our children... We would pull them in every night just to just to pray. And that was how we did. You know, we did our devotions at the evening supper table. That was the time it seemed like that worked best. And then we did prayer time with the kids as a family before they went to bed. And how we did it was was when the youngest one had to go to bed. That's when we all got around the bed and prayed. And it was always Maddie. She didn't like that. But it was always Maddie because she was the youngest. And say if she had to go to bed at, let's say, nine o'clock or eight thirty. That's when all the kids, we got around the bed and we prayed. People would ask, you know, did they like to pray? Probably not. Did they want to? Probably not. But we just said, I don't, you know, I want you to pray. I don't, it doesn't have to be long. And we would go from the littlest to the oldest. So I would finish, but Maddie would start. And Maddie didn't like to pray at the time of what she was praying about. She would just, I don't know. I don't even know what to pray. I don't want to pray. I don't want to pray. No. And I said, just, I don't care if you even just say, thank you, God, and you're done. And so, you know, the peer pressure of the other kids would help her because we're like, nobody can do anything till you say that. Sometimes I think she wanted us just to stay there on her knees as long as we could. But she'd finally just say, thank you, God. And then then she got older, she, she prayed a little more. And then it would go to Sam and Sam would say his prayer and it would go to Zach. And Zach inevitably would say this. Now, we lived on out in the country, out in the sticks, love country, love out in, you know, kind of no man's land. We had 16 acres that butted up against hundreds of other acres. And Zach would almost every night pray this, Father, thank you, God. And I ask God that you put angels around every corner of our house and property. And I could just see angels in heaven going, doggone that kid, doggone it. I got wood duty again. But he totally believed what he had been taught that we could Ask for protection and God would send it. You need to see that as pure as that is. He, he, he bought into the truth and he believed that and God protected us every night. Now you could say that's just coincidence. I don't think so. There'd be times that stuff would, you know, did you hear about this? But it wouldn't come nigh our dwelling. There's something to be said about praying protection. There's something to be said about believing prayer for protection. If you have the attitude when pigs fly, maybe that's why it doesn't work for you. But if you have the attitude 
God said it, that settles it. Whether I believe it or not, I think I'll believe it. I can believe protection for my kids. I can pray protection for my grandkids. I can believe for provision. We're going to talk about provision next week. We'll finish this series up. But I'm telling you, it's real. There are miracles to be had. Do you believe them? My wife just got hurt yesterday. We were working in the garage, and, and me being Hulk, tried to move a box. She told me to move it, but her foot was right under this shelf, and the shelf probably was right there and fell right on the top of her foot. That was an ouchie. You know, and she was like, oh, you know, and so we immediately prayed, and we put our, listen to me, we put our hand to it. Father, I thank you for healing every part of that foot. I thank you for doing everything that you need to do. And, and then we did common sense. I put some ice on it, prayed over it, and she did what she did. I, you know, she declared, my foot is healed. My foot, I said, how's your foot? She'd say, healed. And then she'd be walking. But I'd just ask her, how you doing? I'm good. You know what, this morning I said, how you doing? She goes, it doesn't even hurt. Protection. Now, you might be sitting there saying, well, if God would protect you, they never would have hit your foot in the first place. Shut your big fat mouth. I didn't, I guess maybe, you know, I'll just take the blame for that. We didn't pray that, you know, that. I don't know. Well, why do things happen? I, I, I don't know. But I, whether, you know, God didn't hurt her foot, but the, the test of what her faith was healed her foot. By the kingdom. You can slice it however you want to slice it. You can look at it this way or that way. But I'm telling you, pigs can fly. Miracles do happen. And God does still protect today. Bow your head, close your eyes. Father, we just give you praise. These wonderful people here this morning, our prayer team is, is up here. They're just here to minister and, and help. If you need, whether it's in any of the areas we've already even talked about, maybe healing in your physical body, finances, uh, whatever the case is, we're believing right now there's power in that. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, with the heads bowed and eyes closed, if maybe you're here and you're saying, Pastor Brett, I need Jesus. I I need to get that covered. Would you pray with me? I'd be honored to do that. If you need Jesus and you want me to pray with you, I won't embarrass you. Just put your hand up. I want to pray with you today. Yes, yes. Anyone else? Today's your day. This is a good thing. 